Welcome to the CGOB Sports Show podcast. On this episode, Jamarcus Hardrick of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers graduated on the weekend. Yes, went down to Nebraska, got himself his sociology degree, one of the great moments of his life, so he joins me to talk about that. Also, Leah Hextall on the playoffs. Will Ken Holland be the hero in Edmonton? And why don't we care about the World Hockey Championship for the men? And Jeffrey Bannon, commissioner of the Winnipeg High School Football League, talks about a number of his athletes being chosen for a national showcase game. All that on the podcast. Joined on the line now by Jermarcus Hardrick, who is an offensive lineman for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Jermarcus, how are you tonight? I'm doing great, man. How about you? I'm doing well. Now, this weekend was a very special one for you as you finished your university degree. Yes, sir. It's been a long time coming. Um, I've been taking classes in season, out of season for the last eight years. It's done, and it's finally happened, man. Great accomplishment. So when did it start, and uh, what was your field of study? Uh, well, I finished college in 2011, so ever since 2011, I've been rocking out a class or two every year, once during the season and one after the season, and I got my uh, degree of study in sociology. And and why did you want to go into sociology? Uh, basically, I wanted to, uh, I, I love the aspect of talking to people and learning about people, and I wanted to be a voice for I wanted to be a voice for people and help uh, be able to talk to people that came from my type of situation, my type of struggle, and be able to relate to it. And why was it important after all these years to get this done? Well, the biggest reason was I was the first on both sides of my family. I was a first-generation student. And, and for me, I have three kids, and I wanted to break the cycle. I wanted to show my kids that college is going to get a college degree. Dad got one. It took me a while to get it, but I got one. You're going to get a college degree. Um, and gave, giving hope to my community and my family. I want to inside of my family that ever went to stage in university. And me being the first one, having my family in town, it was, man, it's hard to describe the feeling, man. I just saw the look on their faces, man. I was trying to stay in the moment, man. But I was just so happy they were here to see this because, they had never been in Nebraska, but they made it from a graduation. So that was it was it was just huge for me, man. So that moment, you getting the the degree physically, it all happens at Nebraska, should say. That must have been, I guess, one of the highlights of your life. Well, yeah, one of the biggest highlights of my life, right up there with my kids and marriage, and just being able to make it D one and be an athlete. It was. I, I couldn't put one above or uh, under 80, each other, but, man, just being able to walk down the stage, man, I had my phone down. I just I just enjoyed the moment, man. I, I listened to everybody. I watched all the bells and whistles, man. It was it was just a, it was a great moment, man. I don't, I don't know, man. I haven't had a feeling like that in a while, man. I'm still kind of on the for it. So through the course of, of your career now with the Blue Bombers and and – Previous to that, was there any point in time where you thought, you know, it might not happen? Um, well, basically, basically, I didn't know when it was going to happen. I knew it was going to happen because football was football has been has been always good to me since I've been pro. After what I've been on seven, eight pro teams, I've only been pro eight years, so I knew my degree was what I was going to fall back on. But since finally, almost finding a home with Winnipeg and being there for going on my fourth year. Um, it kind of gave me a, a I'm on the last leg of my career, so I was kind of whenever this is over, I want to transition, transition easy and 
with, with me being able to get it done now, man, as soon as my career over, it saves me a little time and gets me adjusted a little quicker. What was it about Nebraska that uh, drew you to that program? Was it the football team? Uh, the football team drew me to Nebraska, and basically what drew me to Nebraska is just like I can say about the people in Winnipeg or Cameron. It's just, just a lot of genuine, hardworking people who have your best interests, and you can't, you can't beat that, man. A lot of people have your best interests, and they're just honest, hardworking people. And I came through the tradition of football, yeah, all the bells and whistles on my visit to Nebraska, that, that blew me away from being from a small town of 350 people to walking in a stadium with 90,000 people. It was it was unreal. How was Nebraska, let's say, different from growing up in Mississippi? Uh, first off, in Mississippi, from a town of 350 people, we have no stop sign. I mean, we have no street lights. We have no sidewalks. We have none of that. And Nebraska is the capital of Lincoln, and is what I'll cover the town three hundred fifty and was almost three hundred three hundred K so here and man I'll just never forget my first week here. I finally had to cut me a car and I was getting a credit tool every day and why was my car getting towed? Then somebody told me I had to put money in those meters while my car was getting towed and I was, and that's just really how small city I am. So Winnipeg must feel enormous. Man, I, I love Winnipeg. it kinda of, since I've been in Nebraska a little bit I kind of get the things. It feels just like the Midwest, just like here, man. I like, I love the people there. I love the vibe and Winnipeg. It, no matter where you at, I think it takes twenty minutes to get everywhere. It's just like in Lincoln. How excited are you to get the season going soon? Oh man, I'm so excited, man! Just, I'm just blessed to be a part of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers from the top to the bottom, from uh, Wade, Kyle, to Oates, to Darren, to my old line coaches, to. My teammates, man, it's just a lot of top-notch guys. We didn't kept in touch. We didn't, we didn't made a family in these last four years. We got still got the core group together. Look for big things, but nothing comes out of uh, wishing. So we got to get ready to get there and put in the work. And I'm excited, man. We got a got a couple new pieces on defense and things, and I'm excited to get rolling. And your offensive line crew will look a little different too. Yeah, that. That was out of my control. I'm very happy for Sook. I'm very happy for Goose. But just from playing with those guys the last ten years, we're family forever. No matter what happened, right or wrong, we got their back off. And I know that's a mutual feeling. And losing losing Sook to BC, I know he he had to do what was best for him. I stayed in contact with him through the whole process. And as soon as I kind of felt things going a different way, man, I kind of just had to live with the fact that Sook's not going to be beside me anymore and just be happy for him and just trust Kyle and the coaches and they're going to put us in the best situation to win and I know they're going to do that. Well, Marcus, I appreciate your time tonight and congratulations again on graduating. It's a big deal. Thanks, man. Thanks a lot for having me. All right. Lee Axtell now joins the show. Leah, did you have a good weekend? I did have a good weekend, Christian. How was yours? Well, as a Dallas Stars fan, it started off good. Oh. And then uh, mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. not so good on a Sunday afternoon. Road teams have done pretty well in the playoffs. Home teams are obviously above 500, but it's not by a huge margin. St. Louis, though, 5-1 and one on the road this postseason. They're 2-4 and four at home going into tomorrow's Game 7 in St. Louis. 
do we like their chances to finish it off and complete the kind of comeback from down 3-2? You know, Christian, I don't know about you, but this is the series that, to me, I get a feeling about when one team wins, I go, oh, you know what? It looks like they've kind of got this now. I think they're going to I think they're going to finish it. And then the next game, it's a completely different thing. And I think it's because this series, more than any of them, has been very clearly about who manages to say this is the type of play we're going to do today. So for Dallas, you know, they're going to be successful when it's that speed game and when their special teams are involved. Uh, you know, you saw it the other night. They didn't get even one five-on-five you know, goal. The only goal they could register came on their power play. That's an issue because St. Louis in that game was able to cycle. They were able to forecheck. They were able to play that big-bodied game that does them so well. So I really think for Game 7, it's going to come down to basically, you know, who establishes themselves first. You would assume with St. Louis being the home team that they should be able to come out of the gates and that Dallas is going to have to weather the storm. But the question is, can St. Louis continue it throughout the entire game? I mean, there was such big momentum shifts in the last game we saw. Pretty much 33 seconds determined that game after the Jaden Schwartz goal was allowed, which it should have been allowed. And then Sammy Blake comes in to make it 4-1, and it was pretty much over from that. But with Dallas Christian, if you're a fan of them, you're wondering where is our secondary scoring, the third line. I mean, Cogliano, Blake Como, Radic Faxa, they've got five points amongst them and only three goals. Faxa had 15 goals in the regular season. He has one assist in the playoffs. That's just not good enough. You can't just rely on your top six. So if Dallas is going to get it done, they're going to have to see some production, I believe, from their bottom half. I think we all figured that series was going to go six or seven. I think uh, the San Jose Colorado series, same thing. And here we are now with at least one game seven, and it's going to be that uh, Dallas game tomorrow night. Uh, this is a, a matchup between two teams that in 2016 played in the second round and it went seven with the blues winning in Dallas. So Dallas trying to flip the script and, uh, Ben Bishop, you mentioned it. Let's just go back to it briefly. There's the play where he gets knocked down a a shot to the collarbone area. It's a stinger. He goes down, play continues, the Blues score. I believe that that's the right way to call that. Even I am a Stars fan, I'll admit it, but I, I had no problem with that because he wasn't in immediate danger. It was unfortunate for Dallas, but if they had touched the puck, the whistle would have blown. Helmet wasn't off. It's, it's a tough break, but I think the refs handled it the way they should have. Agreed? They, they absolutely did. I mean, it would be a different story if Dallas would have got possession after the shot, but they didn't. Alexander Steen picked it up, and the St. Louis Blues continued on with possession. That's the call. But I'm going to tell you something right now. If we start calling a whistle on every time a goaltender decides to drop to the ice like that, what are we doing? I mean, we saw a goal called back in this hockey game right now with goalie interference. Nobody knows what that is, and that's Mm. taken away enough goals. But there's something to be said about playing whistle-to-whistle. Dallas, what are you doing? I don't care if your goaltender's down on the ground. There's no whistle. I mean, lots of times players go down behind the play, and play will continue on because the other team has possession, especially when the Blues were in the offensive end. I mean, that is completely the right call. I'm sorry, Ben Bishop. I get that you got a stinger. I get that you were hurt, but you still stayed in the game for a bit. So it obviously wasn't that bad. It can hurt in that second. But players go down all the time. And to me, that is completely on the fact that Dallas stopped playing. And I, I was, I've watched it several times, and I thought, why would you stop playing? Because you should know the rules. And sometimes this is one thing that I actually had a former player point out to me. They said half the players don't know the rules. 
They don't know all the rules of the game. He said, when I played, I didn't realize sometimes why face-offs were being moved to where they are. And I know from calling the game, there's things that happen that I go, why is that face-off coming outside the zone? Because you don't see something that happens. And I really feel that, you know, these players playing whistle to whistle, I mean, why did you stop playing? They just, I think some of them assume because Bishop was down, that whistle was going to go. And to me, that's them not knowing the rule book. Fair enough. Okay, so uh, away from the playoffs, Ken Holland is the man. The name was floated around for a while. Would he take the Edmonton job? It's his if he wants it. Well, he's going to take it. Uh, the team has not made an official announcement yet, but it's all, it's going to happen. He's going to be the GM there. Is he going to fix what's wrong with the Edmonton Oilers? That is a very big question because it's a very big problem what's going on there. And first of all, before we get to quickly to Ken Holland, yes, it was his job. But before that, I really think they were looking hard at Kelly McCrimmon. And I do want to say congratulations to Kelly McCrimmon on getting the GM job in Vegas, rightfully so. They knew they were going to lose him if they didn't do that move. So good on them for doing that and good on McCrimmon for getting that. Uh, Paid a lot of dues there uh, for so many years here in Brandon and throughout Manitoba. But that being said, you know, I think the first thing that Ken Holland does, this isn't a quick fix. I know know that everybody knows that. But – Really, his main focus, I think, early on, Christian, has to be hockey operations. I really do feel that that is where a lot of the problems have occurred for the Edmonton Oilers. Because let's face it, they've had the riches of these first overall picks. They have the best player in the game on their roster right now. But they're a helicopter team loaded up and down the middle at center, but they got no wings. And the reason being is because hockey operations has not done their job. We've all heard about, and for so many years, we saw Craig McTavish and all those former Oilers, the boys club, as they call them, calling the shots. So it's going to be really interesting to see what, you know, Holland does. And I fully expect that there's going to be some blood there in Edmonton. I think there's going to be some guys that are moved out. I don't know if Gretzky will be back. I'm looking at things. I know that they, they said that Ken Hitchcock, he's still under contract, but he'll only be a consultant next year. He's not going to be behind the bench. We see that today. Kyle Dubas came out, the general manager of the Leafs, saying Babcock will be behind the bench of the Toronto Maple Leafs because there was a few rumblings that maybe Holland would try to reunite with Babcock. But he wants a veteran coach. I think it might be somebody like Dave Tippett. That's the name that's being floated around. We haven't seen him since 2017 when he was dismissed from Arizona. But, I mean, there's so much work here to do, and they have no cap room. They have absolutely no cap room to really make any moves. They have bad contracts, like in the Milan Lucic contract. It's just such a horrible place to go into. But I think if anyone's going to do it, Christian, and if anybody's going to have the clout to walk into Edmonton and kind of lay it down and have, you know, rule the roost, as they say, it is Ken Holland. We're talking about a general manager who's won three Cubs. His team made the playoffs in Detroit 25 straight years, 22 years as the general manager with one hockey team. Does that happen in this day and age? It does not. So now, no matter what people think about where Detroit is now, because I don't know if you saw it, Christian, there was a lot of negativity about Ken Holland coming to town. Just and being because the last the three Oilers. years, Detroit's been bad, right? That's exactly. It. But like, I mean, exactly. But if you think of a 30 year cycle, pretty much what it's been, I mean, three years is nothing and that's going to happen. And, you know, it's really interesting, Christian, because back in the day when I was covering the American league, when the Manitoba Moose were the lone team in town and I was here working for CTV, it was interesting to me because the Grand Rapids Griffins, who are Detroit's farm team, you always heard them about players being seasoned. With the, with the Griffins, even if they were stars that came out of the draft, Ken Holland kept his players there on the farm in order to build them into the right type, not just 
hockey sense, but to make them become professionals. And I'm interested to see how he changes the culture in Edmonton. And I think it's going to be a big shock to hockey operations, and I think that will trickle down into the players. But uh, there's a lot of work to be done, and this is a 63-year-old man, but he seems to have a lot of fire in his belly still to be a general manager. Uh, the cap space, they have 15 contracts, or uh, 15 on the roster already, according to Cap Friendly next year, with uh, 71 million tied up in those 15 players. So that's not great. Uh, so no. <laughs> let's uh, pivot to the World Championship. Why doesn't re- it, this really resonate in Canada? Is it because the playoffs are on at the same time? I truly believe so, Christian. You know, it's one of those things where, I mean, how do you compete with the Stanley Cup? The fact of the matter is, is that we all believe that the Stanley Cup is the greatest trophy in hockey, if not in sport. But over, and I think this is why they always have it over in Europe, is because it's a big deal over there. I mean, that is their Stanley Cup. I mean, they have their individual leagues, but international play is huge for the European players and for the European fans. And so I just, I honestly think it's just that plain and simple. The Stanley Cup is on. The best players in the world are competing for the greatest trophy in sports. So it's really hard not to be overshadowed for that. You add on to the fact that it's across the pond, time change often, and there you have it. And uh, But you know what? I always love the world because I think it's a real chance because so many players are still tied up playing in the NHL. It's really a chance for these young players who might not be Olympic ready if you know, the NHL gets back into the Olympics, but who are just starting out. Like, look at Carter Hart's going to gain some valuable experience in net for Team Canada over there. They have a lot of young skaters, which I'm really excited to see. So I always feel that we see some different players come out of the world that maybe were not, are not so known, but they go over there, they do well. And quite frankly, I think it does a lot for them for Hockey Canada as well, because Hockey Canada has a deep memory. And players who say no to them when they're healthy and can go and are young, that resonates when it comes around to the Olympics. Trust me. Are you thinking Mark Shifley? Yep. I mean, I listen, I'm kind of in awe that he's not playing. Um, maybe he has a holiday or a wedding or something I don't know about. That's completely fine. But I understand Blake Wheeler not playing for Team USA. Blake Wheeler is in his mid-30s. He plays a ton of minutes, and he's spent. But Mark Shifley came out at the end of the year and said that he wasn't injured and he's healthy, why wouldn't you go over and play? I mean, why wouldn't you? I I just don't understand that logic because it's a chance. If you're so angry about the season being done early, this is a chance for you to play with other players, to learn from other players, to learn from other coaches, to get an opportunity first and foremost to put that crest on your sweater. And to me, there's no greater achievement for a hockey player than to do that at any level. So I, I don't understand it. And I, I know for a fact that Hockey Canada wanted him. So it's a no for Mark Shifley to go over and play in the world. So that's the bottom line. So I, I don't understand that reasoning, but maybe somebody will fill me in and, and maybe he has something else going on. Before I let you go, uh, the NHLPA put out a statement on the weekend that read... Uh, Regarding the for the game movement, the NHLPA is encouraged that the players are taking an active role in the future of women's professional hockey. Their voice is important to ensure the continued growth of the game and their judgment needs to be respected. That's it. And a lot of people online were saying, wait, that's that's all you got to say. So what what is your (laughs) statement on the statement? Is it enough or is it just good enough that they said something? Well, you know, Christian, I'm one of these people right now who I believe that any statement about for the game is a positive one. And I want to make sure that we keep everything positive. That being said, tomorrow, 
my hex on hockey is about this exact same thing. Oh, wow. And I reached out to the, and you didn't even know that, which is kind of <laughs> funny. Uh, yeah, I reached out to the NHLPA today and I got an official statement from them about their statement. So I have a lot more information about that to come, but I'm going to hang on to it until tomorrow and you can hear it four times throughout the day, including on the CJOB Sports Show tomorrow night. Unintended teaser. That's great. There you go. Perfect. You're so good and you don't even know it. <laughs> well, I appreciate it. Thanks, Leah. As always, we'll uh, check in with you later in the week. All right. Sounds good, Christian. Eleven Winnipeg High School football athletes have been chosen from a nationwide search to participate in the Canada Football Chat National Showcase game June 1st in Ottawa. Joining me to talk about this is... Commissioner of the League, Jeffrey Bannon. And uh, Jeffrey, why is this a big deal? Well, because at the end of the day, it shows that what we're doing and what the coaches are doing works because if you think about this, uh, we have 11 athletes out of 73 across the, the country going. And we, uh, you know, we were told there's over 1,000 athletes tried out for this. And I, I guarantee you, if you do the 11 uh, divided by 73, that's 15%. We don't have 15% of the population of high school athletes playing high school football in this country. So to showcase that we can send 11 athletes to a national tournament shows that what we're doing and what the coaches are doing is working in, uh, in Winnipeg. And that must be a pretty proud moment for the league then. Well, I'm, I'm, I have goosebumps talking to you. Uh, the coaches are extremely proud, the athletes, the families. Um, and, you know, you look at this list and you see they not only play football, but they play dual sports. Uh, most of the grades are well above the, in the 80 percentile. So we're not only sending great athletes, but we're sending great students, and it's just a showcase for our league, and we're super proud. So is this a Canada football chat? Is this showcase game kind of a new thing, or has this been going on for a while? No, this is this is the first year that they've done this, and they've teamed up with TSN, and obviously uh, having the heavyweights of Matt Dunnigan and, and Henry Burse as their, their head coaches uh, proves that this is just something that the country needs, that we need something to showcase these young athletes as they prepare themselves to go into either junior football or, or youth sports, and it's just another... Uh, avenue that our neighbors to the south have been doing for years, and now we're slowly catching up. So it's something that we're excited to be part of, and it's uh, we see this continuing for years to come. Yeah, and I know they have a, like a BioSteel national game for the basketball players, so it's good to have something that's for football players as well. So this is June 1st in Ottawa, and uh, what's the, I guess, the process like getting ready for the game? You mentioned two former CFLers who are part of this, so is there some training that goes into this game as well? Yeah, so they've gone through regional combines, uh, and then they've been ranked nationally, and then what they're going to do is they're flying out. They have to be in Ottawa by Wednesday, so they'll have uh, three days of practice and meetings, I guess go over uh, schemes and film, and then, you know, they'll obviously, uh, with the amount of scouts from not only uh, U-Sport, but obviously some American schools that will be up there, these kids will be busy nonstop. Uh, so they'll probably be uh, in a football fantasy world from the time they arrive in Ottawa to the time they leave. And this is beyond just, you know, the quarterbacks you've got a wide receiver linebacker wide receiver running back o lineman d end offensive lineman defensive back defensive lineman and a kicker so you've got a yeah. lot of people from a bunch of different schools that get to go on this trip and really i can't imagine that not helping them as they go into their senior year of high school well and it's going to and it's going to allow them to measure themselves against the best in the country and then there's actually two names that are on this list we had two quarterbacks that are very close t jesse out of st paul's Jordan Hansford out of Vincent Nassi. These guys are right on the cusp, and these two are, are very strong contenders as well. So we could actually have almost 13 athletes represent us. But once again, this is going to allow these 11 athletes to go down to Ottawa, 
see where they stand, get recognized, get noticed, and hopefully not only benefit their football career, but also their academic career as well. Now, the CFL draft was last week, and uh, I know that these players going to the showcase game, hope that's them someday, but seeing players like Shy Ross, Brady Oliveira, a number of players going in the draft that came out of this league must be pretty cool too. Yeah, seven, it was uh, it was something. I was actually in the room when Zach Williams got drafted to Calgary, and I've been fortunate enough to be in some uh, CFL draft war rooms. I've been around when Hedok Mwamba was announced number one. But to be in a room of a couple hundred people with Zach Williams when he got that phone call, um, that's something I'll never forget for the rest of my life. Because that, that, that right there uh, was years of hard work. And to see a young man's dreams uh, come to fruition right in front of your eyes, that's something special. And, yeah, so that's seven, seven athletes with the former Winnipeg High School football um, playing career got drafted last week, and that's something we're super proud of. Absolutely. Uh, and uh, I guess now it's May, so other than the showcase, what's kind of on the, the league's radar right now as you head towards the next fall season? Uh, so right now, so what, once uh, these athletes can come back from the CFC, uh, spring camps will be opening up. We'll have, we'll have a spring uh, season that will start uh, mid-May. That will that'll wrap up by the end of May. And then we'll start to have our cheering process and our scheduling process uh, in early June. And the schedule hopefully will be out the second week of June. And then we'll let the athletes uh, get ready for exams, study what they need to study, and then we're right back at it right in the uh, right at the end of August, and then our season kicks off first week in September. Is there any downtime for the commissioner of the league? Uh, I, I want to say hopefully not. Uh, right now it's all about planning and it's all about organizing and, and getting ready, but um, coming from the coaching circle, uh, it's a different type of process and a different type of responsibilities I have, but right now I feel the coaches still do a lot more work, uh, and I'm just trying not to get in the way. Well, Jeffrey, I appreciate your time tonight. Perfect. Thank you very much. Have a great day. Tune in to the CGOB Sports Show weeknights from 7 to 9 with me, Christian O'Mell. Or you can download the podcast on iTunes. It's actually on iTunes now. Wow. If you got an Android, then I think you're out of luck. But Apple products, you're good. So listen to the podcast. Please subscribe. You can rate it. What's the worst that could happen?